Welcome to The Thought Hackers, the show where you will learn how your mind works and discover how to change your thinking from leading experts and through inspiring stories. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Nathan Siegel, and I'm here with my colleague Hamish Baston, and we are The Thought Hackers. With us today is a fellow by the name of Adila Marcy, who is an entrepreneur, speaker, and author. His mission is to help people just like him see that there is a way to utilize their gifts. Having been diagnosed with bipolar depression at age 14, and after four suicide attempts, Adil lost all hope until a life-changing attempt on his own life led him to find a higher calling. After a few more setbacks, he went on to found his company and actually spends most of his downtime working with individuals and groups who have high-risk patients and shows them how a simple exercise saved his life. So, Adil, I'd like to welcome you to the show. It's good to have you. Thank you, Nathan. And Hamish, it's great to be here. Yeah, so there, there's so many different things I want to ask you. The, I guess the best place to begin is, what, when did you realize that things were falling apart? Um, it was just shortly after I turned 13. Um, well, it's... It's kind of a strange one because I've always felt quite, um, I'd say, sad. Uh, and the thoughts of wanting to like end my own life for the betterment of other people has kind of always been there. I mean, like, um, it was a thought I think I first had when I was about six. Uh, when I saw my parents fight, I thought that, hey, this is because of me. So if I wasn't alive, then they would go back to being happy because there's no point of reference to know whether or not your parents are happy or sad before you were born. You just know that they're sad and you're here. So that was my point of reference of thinking. Um, it didn't really exacerbate itself until I turned 14. And um, I can't I can't remember what the, what the trigger was. I just remember going from about a week of being quite happy to the week after attempting to kill myself for no reason whatsoever. Like there was no traceable reason. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to end it. And I walked into traffic. Wow. Um, yeah, I got hit by a car that day as well, and it really fucking hurt, to be honest. <laughs> um, as wow. you guess. But the thing is, because uh, I was an athlete as well at the time, I was doing a lot of martial arts, I was training my body, my body was in insane condition, because, you know, I was obsessed. After I got hit by a car, I, I kind of just got up and shrugged it off. I walked it off with, like, no broken bones. I was like, okay, I'm still alive, I shouldn't have died. But that's really, like, where it all kicked off for me. Wow. So, you know, what what happened after that? I mean, that would be one would say that would be a life changing event for sure. And yet you survived it and you were saying you shrugged it off. And to me, that means that, oh, something else was going to happen. And I'm sure it did. Yeah. Um, the, the, the next three attempts, I mean, my first couple of attempts are kind of blurry because, um, you know, the brain does its best to block out trauma it, as it can. Yes. Um, but I did a lot of crazy things to my body trying to end my own life those first four times um by the fourth time my counselors i never did any of that stuff where you try and slit your wrists uh or any of that stuff because i i never wanted to go out in a way that people could trace back how i did it yeah i always wanted to feel like it was an accident because i i, I read something psychologically that there's something called survivor's guilt and i yes. didn't want my mother or my sister and weirdly enough, my father to go through that feeling as in our child, our son died, my brother died, 
I'm alive. Why is this here? And why did he take his own life? Rather, I wanted to be. I wanted to look as natural as possible by causation or accidental death. Um, so when I when I did die uh, at that point, there was no actual like what caused him to walk into the middle of the road or get hit by the car or um, you know die from suffocation or anything like that. Those I didn't want them to be any other reason except for you know his body decided not to work for him or he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, wow. It was kind of a weirdly noble thing to do that was kind of stupid and fucked up in its own right. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it was when I was sitting with my counselor uh, and, and you know, things disappeared for about two years at that point. So like 15, I was quite good because um, I started dating at that point as well. Um, and I started, you know, getting a little bit more confident, a little bit happier with my life. Uh, relationships fell apart quite quickly, but, like, I felt confident in my life. I felt happy. Um, and that was when I got taken in to see a psychiatrist when I was 14. And uh, 14, 15, uh, at the start of the school year, 10, 15, and my teachers started noticing that my behaviors were erratic. Like, I'd be very happy. I'd be in what some would call mania. Uh, mm-hmm. And weeks after, I'd be, I wouldn't be present at school, or if I was at school, I was walking around with my head hung. Um, there wasn't any sort of consistency in my behavior, which, you know, thankfully one of my teachers, um, Darren, he basically, uh, who I became friends with later down the, down the line, he, uh, he he saw it and he basically got me in, in touch with a psychiatrist. And I remember going to sit down with the psychiatrist and we had this huge long conversation in the room about patterns and psychological beginnings and how families are affected. And I thought, okay, and they go, tell us about your father and your mother. So I told them about my dad and they're like, okay, it seems that your dad and you have very similar upbringings in some senses, different in others, but it seems that you're trying to break the cycle. And at this point, I didn't tell them about the four suicide attempts. I kept that very quiet. In fact, I actually kept all seven of my suicide attempts until I was uh, quiet until I was seven? Yeah, seven. Oh, my God, seven. Yeah. Uh, and the last one was when I was 18. That was the, that was the last one I had. Um, surprisingly, it, it ties in very similarly to what happened uh, at the start of my business and my company. So, Can, Adil, just, a, just a quick question on that. You said that you... Tried, you hid the suicide attempts. Was that from the psychiatrist or from your family as well? Everyone. Um, Everyone. In fact, in, in fact um, when I t- well, now I speak openly about it. Um, what the first time I talked about the most significant suicide, which we're going to get a suicide attempt in my life that we're going to come to. Um, a lot of my friends all looked at me. The friends that knew me at this time looked at me and they, they've messaged me and said, "We had no idea you were going through this." Like, you didn't show any signs of weakness. You didn't show any signs of anything else. Yeah, you didn't smile as much. Yeah, you, you seemed self-confident. You lacked self-esteem in your own self um, in certain areas. But you know what? That We just pegged that as growing up as a teenager. Mm. Mm. You know, as, as an outcast, going through what you, you went through because I spoke to some of my friends about, you know, how I was brought up and stuff. And they were oh. like, By the oh. way, I'm, I'm getting a bit of a noise in the background. I'm not sure what's causing it. Oh, sorry. That's probably me hitting my... Uh, pop filter that's something oh okay yeah 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 i thought i better mention it anyway yeah uh, please continue um so what ended up happening was at this moment um in time i I lied to the psychiatrist anyway and i didn't tell my mother 
my parents had gone back together at this point, but I hadn't told my mother I went to see a psychiatrist. In fact, I told her I went to see a physiotherapist because of my knees um, due to doing basketball and Thai boxing, which was surprisingly an escape that saved my life while also pushing myself to the point where I broke several of my bones just so I could stay active. Um, I just said that was that physiotherapy, not for psychiatry. And I went to see a psychiatrist, spoke to them. You know, they said, well, based on your erratic behavior from what we've been told and what you've described to us, uh, I actually think you might be bipolar. And I said, okay. And this is in the mid 2000s. Um, and th they didn't even do any tests for it. They just straight up labeled me as bipolar. They told me to take oh, um, lithium dioxide. Which uh -huh. immediately when I read the label, I mean, uh, it sounds really <laughs> stupid, but I'm, I'm a slight conspiracy theorist growing up. Like, that, I never trusted anything that was the official word. And I read the label, and I saw there was mercury in there. Now, I have mm. a very scientific mind. Um, my, you know, I studied to be a physiotherapist and a psychologist before I decided to leave all of that behind and pursue a different career entirely. Um, and my brain's always been very linked to the sciences. So I read this and I thought, hold on a second. We just dissolved magne uh, um, what's it called mercury and lithium in water and we saw how it explodes. It, it doesn't react very well. If mm. your brain is, if your body and brain are mostly made of water, this is going to cause some serious damage to me. So I went against conventional wisdom, which in some respects is stupid, but in other respects, I'm very happy I did. I didn't take the medicine. I left it there at home, never touched it. And I was like, okay, the only thing I know how to do is bite down and pow through any time it feels sad. Um, it's fair to say, um, it, please feel free to interrupt me and ask questions. But at that point, I'd actually, because I grew up quite religious as well. And, you know, uh, though I grew up mostly Muslim, I mm -hmm. also studied Christianity, Judaism, Hinduism, uh, Sikhism, Buddhism, uh, all of them because we these were my cousins. I, a lot of my cousins came from these faiths, mm. and a lot of my friends came from these faiths, so I just very, very fondly loved researching their, uh, th their belief systems um, as well as my own. At this point, I'd lost faith for most of the, most of the time. I didn't really have a faith I was following uh, religiously, and I was searching, but I was, I was a, in my opinion, I was a lost cause. Well, and, I've got a got a question for you. Sure, go for it. In, in in all of these different things that were going on, was there a worst moment where you like hit bottom or something like that? Oh yeah, we're actually gearing right up to that. So I just want to give you <laughs> cool. guys like a frame of reference of where my world was at. Now, at this point, I was sixteen, um, and my parents had uh, they they had like a truce because it was a bit of a domestic upbringing. And there was a truce for a couple of years. And then one night, I remember, um, the police had to be called because there was a, another situation at home. And I remember because I came out of the gym. I, I literally left the gym, and I had a phone call from my sister uh, that I'd missed. And I had two messages from my sister and my mother, both saying, come home quickly. Uh, police are at home. So I thought, wow. okay, uh, dad's not messaged me, so I definitely know what's going on. Okay. But before heading home, um, a week prior, I probably had the greatest week of my life. I mean, I was doing great. Uh, a girl that I really, really liked had said yes to dating me. Um, you know, I'd done great at my school exams. My team at my basketball thing, we were starting to get better. I just signed on to have my first uh, comp competitive match in Thai boxing. It was all coming up great. I leave the gym a week later. I get this message from my, my family. And for some reason, 
I don't drive. I didn't drive at the time, by the way. Um, I went up to a uh, car park, uh, a, a garage or a garage or something, and it was about seven stories up. I remember climbing up there and looking over the edge. Now I have, uh, I had a terrible fear of heights where if I looked over the edge of something, I'd want to immediately jump. I've never known why. Um, no matter what the height was, I always wanted to keep my feet planted to the ground. But I remember looking down and it's something that to this day still puzzles me. I still have no idea how I survived this, but it was the thing that woke me up initially. Um, for whatever reason, my brain went to like an automatic gear mode and I jumped right off. Like what? clean, seven stories right off. But the thing is, I didn't like pancake jump, you know, where you, your whole body's all stretched out and, you know, you're landing ribs, head, everything fast. Um, I intentionally jumped. So my it was like I was upside down, but head fast. Hmm. So I like just imagine like a teaspoon with the head of the spoon at the bottom and the handle at the top. That's exactly the way I was falling. Um, and I hit the ground with such impact that I just the last thing I remember that moment was the left. I turned to the left for just a split second, turned to the left. And that is the left side of my face is exactly where I made contact, uh, contact with concrete. Oh, my God. Um and the thing is, I still have no idea how I didn't break my spine, damage any of my ligaments, didn't destroy anything, hell, didn't even die. I didn't even have, like, any cracks in my orbital bones, my skull, no fractures, no marks, no nothing on my face. From seven All stories. From seven stories. <laughs> seven stories, that's unbelievable. I mean... Yeah. Some people would I, die from I, one. Yeah, and um, I, I'm I'm just sitting here going, you sh you should be dead, man. No, you're oh, meant yeah. you're oh. meant to be here. That's for uh, sure. No yes. question about that. Wow, what a story. So I remember like getting up off the ground, and I remember looking at my watch. That was the first thing I did was I looked at my watch. Um, I'd been out cold for five minutes in the middle of the street. No one, thankfully, had come to see me because I made sure it was nice and quiet. I didn't want to be again. I didn't want anyone to do to be disturbed by me throwing myself off a building. Oh, wow. And uh, I, uh, I remember going home that night, dealing with all the crap that was going on, and I kind of just moved automatically. I, I made sure before I got on the bus to go home, I went to a public bathroom, uh, washed off any blood out of my mouth, made but sure that... You, you, still, you got up and walked away? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and some pain, by the way. Unbelievable. Wow. In, in, in some pain, I mashed because uh, back then I had a huge pain tolerance, and again, Clearly. I was in incredible shape. Um, because the mindset I used to have back then, I don't have any more. Thankfully, was back then it was if you're in pain, um, it was basically deserved. You were you were meant to live a life of servitude and pain, and if you didn't wow. feel pain, that was that was odd to me. If I was happy, that was an odd feeling. It was pain was my natural center. So I'd get up, um, and I went to the bathroom, to a public bathroom in a restroom, and just started washing the blood out of my mouth, any, like, cuts or scratches near my face. I just, you know, made sure that I quickly wiped away and trying to get my skin to puff back up the way it would be because there was some gravel stuck in my fucking cheeks and stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> just because, like, you know, oh the impact I hit, it was just like I was peeling my face off the ground. Um yeah. I remember like hobbling home because like my ribs were killing me, my knees were fucked, <laughs> uh, my everything just hurt like hell. I mean, I had a <laughs> ringing headache and everything. I remember getting home, 
uh, dealing with all the crap there. And I went upstairs and I just said, I'm going to sleep because I'm really tired out. And, you know, my everyone's like busy dealing with this shit going on. I was just concerned about getting into my room and falling asleep. So I remember falling asleep and uh, I went to bed around 9 p.m., which was the earliest I'd ever gone to bed on a school night because usually I stayed up till about one in the morning and got up, uh, went to bed and I'd get up at five, six to go for a run. I remember waking up at midnight, just shortly after midnight, um, and I ran as quickly as I could to the bathroom and I started throwing up blood, like huge chunks of blood just coming out of my body and bile. And um, it was quite, I, I couldn't remember hearing it, but I remember because of the speed I ran, apparently I caused such a racket that my mother woke up. Hmm. And she came to see me and she just sees the sink covered in blood and all this coming out my mouth. Um, she decides to call an ambulance to take me in. Now, you'd imagine at that point I'd come clean and tell them about the suicide attempts. Hmm. But in my warped mind, I thought I'd be more of a nuisance than, you know, trying to get help. So I, I lied. I told them that a very tough training session at the gym. And, wow. uh, uh, you know, the, the, it was just a result of getting kicked in the ribs or getting kneed in the ribs from doing Thai boxing classes because I had a fight coming up and all this, that, the other, you know, tough guy mentality, which is stupid at the time. And, um, you what know, they did, you out of it. Well, it took a long time. We'll get to that in a moment. The craziest thing <laughs> oh, okay. was when they, look, when they looked at my rib cage because they actually did an X-ray. They only found there was no broken bones, by the way. It was just I had two, two or three bruised ribs and some internal bleeding. That's all that was left as the damage of my of my fifth attempt. It's um, just amazing that that happened. It's crazy. It's just astonishing that you're still here. I'm gobsmacked. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, 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 yeah. That's a great expression, gobsmacked. Yeah, well, uh, it was one of the things that basically kind of snapped me back and kind of put me back into practice with faith for me, really. And, uh, you know, two more years of craziness in my life before I figured out what it was. I had two more attempts in my life um before i really got the message thankfully they weren't too they weren't too painful uh ways of trying to kill myself i just kind of like you know managed to get out and realize i was being stupid and business saved my life really it took uh an ex-girlfriend the the first woman i loved dumping me uh followed up by me starting my first business simultaneously at the same time and then having my first failure about three months in and realizing i could not give her the satisfaction of watching me quit so mm. I made I made a promise to myself. It's the craziest thing. I think John Carlton called it negative uh, motivation. And I mm-hmm. used that negative motivation to drive me forward. And what really freed me was this one exercise. It's an exercise I teach everyone that is even close to comp- contemplating sadness on a chronic level of depression. Um and even, like, I've done this with guys who've got PTSD. I've done this with people that have bipolar depression. I've even done it with people that have um, chronic depression where they don't, see a, they don't see a light at the end of the tunnel. And all they want to do is get completely drunk every single night or high every single night just simply to ease the pain. Um, and I'll share this with you, with you guys and everyone listening if that's okay. Sure. Well, before you do, though, you said you made a decision – and I'd really like to know what that was. Yeah, um, the decision was I never wanted to give the satisfaction to anyone um, to watch me die. Like I didn't want anyone to feel like, oh, Adol killed himself. 
look at the way he went out. Look at how he did not live greatly. And the worst of all was, if I did die before I hit the promises I told myself and told people I'd hit, such as traveling um, or, um, you know, starting a million-dollar company or having a net worth of X amount or driving certain cars or living in certain places and even where I live now in London, um, without hitting those goals, I didn't want to die before I hit them mm-hmm. because I thought if I'm going to die, uh, it's going to be by you know the time I'm supposed to go, not by my own hand. Mm-hmm. And most of all, the decision was I'd never let anyone else fuck with my brain ever again. And if they did, they had no time or place in my world and they would go. They would, they would happily be asked to leave my world and not be asked to return. And um, it was a decision that really shaped my life. Yes, I can hear that. Mm. That's good. Yeah. So, so to go on with what you were saying, um, I've, I've lost that track. Uh, oh, of course. It was just a quick little exercise, and Mm -hmm. I urge everyone listening to this, um, whether you're in a good mood, a great mood, a bad mood, a silly mood, whatever mood you're in right now, if you're at the lowest of the lows that you've ever felt, and trust me, I've been to that well where I felt so hopeless in my business life, uh, in my personal life, that I don't think I'd ever come back out again. Um, And uh, even after going through some crazy situations over the last couple of years, I can tell you right now, quite sincerely, the thing that's always pulled me back, uh, even when I've forgotten about it, but the moment I rediscover it always brings me right back, is getting a journal and just writing 10, 20, 30, 50, 100 things I'm grateful for. Hmm. Um, Even if that thing that I'm grateful for doesn't exist. It could be something as simple as like, I'm glad I can smile again. Wow. Yeah. yeah, that's powerful. Hamish, do you want yeah. to weigh in? Oh, this? look, the, the gratitude journals, the, the, the state that it can instantly change you into. Um, you know, it could be 10 things, it could be 50, it could be 100 things, but you could have it after the first thing that will instantly change your state into a positive way of thinking. Um, how do you, uh, how would you, um, you know, there's a lot of people that are so low, though. Their, their thinking has spiraled right down uh, so deep that they can't even sort of get to that point to change it, to grab that journal, to, to start writing that gratitude. What would you say to those people? I'd say to those people, you have several options. Well, you have three main options, really. Number one, you do absolutely nothing and stay where you are right now. The second is you pick up the phone and you look for someone that you know you can speak to, even if it seems impossible, whether that's your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, your cousin, your best friend from high school, your best friend from last week, uh, the barista, your ex-girlfriend or ex-boyfriend or ex-partner in any way, whoever it is that you've had some sort of connection of honesty with in your entire fucking life. Mm. I don't care who it is. I want you to pick up the phone and all I want you to say to them is the following is if you've not got a great relationship with them for whatever reason, just say, Hey, whatever the name is, I'm really sorry to stab you right now, but you're one of the few people I've ever been honest with in my life. And right now I just need you to listen. 
could you do me this one favor of just listening? And that's the first step. Um, If it's someone that you have a great relationship with, someone that you truly love, someone you can get on great, like a really good friend, call them and be honest. Hey, listen, I'm feeling really horrible right now. I don't know what I'm doing. I feel like the walls are closing in. I'm backed into a corner and I don't know how the hell to get out. I just need someone to tell all this to. I just need to verbally get it out there. And they'll listen. Mm. Now, if it's someone that, again, like I mentioned, the first scenario where, you know, you mean. I just Lost. need you to listen. It just cut out for can, a second. Can you hear me? It just yeah, cut, it out, just for cut out for a second. Yeah, I thought my computer crashed again, but it wasn't that. <laughs> Thank, good. Thank goodness. But I was going to say, um, as long as you reach out to them. Yep. And say, like, even if it's someone that you didn't have a great relationship with in the past or, you know, you had a great relationship with and didn't end the best times or it's not in the best times right now, by calling someone and saying to them, I really need you to listen, I really need your help right now, um, you don't have, if, if it's like a thing where you just feel like you can't say the words help, just say, I really need you to listen. And they'll be like, okay, they may be a little bit weird and just say, great. I just want to tell you all the things I'm great. I just want to tell you one thing I'm grateful for. Just one. And that's all it is. And it yep. may sound stupid, but just start with this one. If you feel absolutely fucking hopeless, just start with, I'm grateful that I'm alive. Yeah. Because yep. if you start with that one, start expanding from that one. What is it? Can you see? Can Can you move your hands? Can you wiggle your ears? Can you hear things? Can you speak? Can you taste? Can you um, touch? Do you have hair on your head? Or if not, do you have um, the ability to grow a beard? Or um, I don't know, like, do you have great, like, a great body? If you're a woman, and I mean this in a non-misogynistic way whatsoever or non-chauvinistic way, but I know this because most of my friends are female. Does your body look great? And you look at yourself and go, okay, I may not be great, but my tits look great or my ass looks great or my breath <laughs> looks nice or I have a great smile. Whatever it is. Mm. Mm-hmm. You've, you've just yeah thing. you've you've just rattled off fifteen grateful uh, things for gratitude straight away and it's that it can be that quick. Yeah, yeah and, and it, this is so incredibly powerful what you're you're talking about because I use a gratitude journal I, I just normally use five items, and I, I like the, what you came out with with these simple things like. Uh, I remember reading something, I think it was to do with uh, either Sean Aker or Tony Robbins, something along those lines, where you just say, I'm grateful that the sun is shining today. Something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Simple things, or I'm grateful that I'm still breathing, as you said. Yeah, It's something as simple as that that can change yeah. everything. And just very quickly, I'm going to share something with you guys. I'm going to share two, two very powerful things with you. One is a parable okay. that really, truly shaped my life. Uh, and the other is just, in, I'm going to finish this thread. That's the other thing I want to share with you guys. Now, if you're in that same situation right now, where you're like, dude, I can't even pick up the phone. What are you on about? I have nothing right now. Just start talking aloud. I don't really care who's there next to you. Just start saying it. Just let the words come out your mouth. I am grateful for, bam. And if you can't get that out of your head, if you can't, if you get to, I'm grateful for, and you have nothing, ask your brain the question, what's obvious to me about gratitude right now? Write that down. What's obvious to me 
right now about gratitude. The moment you say that, your brain will start throwing out answers mm. to you. Yep. And it'll look for the obvious. It'll look for the most obvious thing in front of you. It's like, oh, I got a home. Oh, I've got... If you, if you for some reason, if you're listening to this and you're homeless right now, it could be a situation. Oh, I have a life. I have my limbs. I have my uh, ability to talk to people. Again, little stupid things like that make the difference. Now, once you start verbalizing them, find a way to write them down. Because when you write them down, your brain starts to open up. And if you still feel, after doing this, you don't know where to go next... The next page after your gratitude, no matter how many of them you've written, is write down everything that is going on in your head at this moment. It could be the darkest shit you've ever felt. It could be the the craziest situation that you're in. It could be just the normal situation you're in that you don't know how to deal with it. It doesn't matter if you don't know how to deal with it. Just get it down on paper. Mm. Because once it's down out of your head on paper, you'll realize that it's like taking all that mental weight on your head and putting it somewhere else it's like taking a weighted hat off and putting it somewhere because it now no longer rules you so you're now able to see in a different direction feel more light uh light-hearted and your head and eyes are far more clearer that's the first yeah. thing i want to share with you guys yeah that's great that's advice. really that's really awesome it ties into some of what i've been speaking with hamish about which you may already know of it uh dale i don't know if you do is something called the work of Byron Katie. Have you ever heard of her? I have not, unfortunately. No, I'll check her out. Ah, well, that, you know, I, I was going to ask you to mention a resource, but uh, for, uh, and and you may well still have a resource in terms of internet or book or whatever, but for our audience here, and we will be talking about this in the future, and I also hope to interview this woman, but her name is Byron Katie. She wrote a book called Loving What Is, and she created a process called self-inquiry where you question your thinking using four questions and Adil it, it follows very much on what you've stated it goes further it's like the next step from what you've just stated and it takes you into a particular structure and I, I think it will help you quite a bit like, to just to find out about it as an internet resource it's thework.com and there's a lot of stuff on there you can watch her guiding people through exercises. And, um, yeah, interesting. I'm so glad you showed up today. Mm. Yes, yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, oh, what was it called? Thework.com? The work. What's that? Yeah, I believe it's called thework.com. Um, and her tagline, the, the thing that she says on a regular basis, and I think it's on the cover of her book, is, who would you be without your story? That's amazing. Well, yeah. Thank you. That's great. We should also check my, out. Yeah, so. my pleasure. My pleasure. So no, um, I, I think, Adil, um, you know, the stuff you're in, just to sort of recap what you're talking about, the, um, you know, when people get into this spiraling thinking, into these pits, into this dark space, whatever it is, and just keep compounding it with their thinking, um, you know, it is... To be able to, um, everything we sort of discuss and talk with other people, it it all comes down to this decision. And 
You know, where you said, where are you now? There's so much, um, the thinking goes into so much of the panic and the fear of what's happened in the past and equally what's happening, going to, what could happen in the future. Um, but it's getting yourself to that place right now where you're okay. And then you can start to yeah. make these decisions to um, ask the question to yourself or start the one gratitude thing. It's, um, it's just getting to that space right now, which is so important. Mm -hmm. And, and then the, the decisions can start happening. Most definitely. I mean, um, do you guys mind very quickly? I know we're running close to the time limit right now, but do you guys mind sure. if I share a very quick story with you guys? Go for it. Please do. Um, it's a parable that really, really helped me, uh, remind me of the power of gratitude and it's a little religious, guys, so feel free to change it as you will, but the same thing does remain, and I'm actually going to be writing about this in great depth. Um, it's a story of uh, Moses. Now, the story goes that Moses was traveling to uh, speak to God at Mount Sinai, and as he's traveling up, he meets a poor man on the street with nothing but a loincloth, smelly as all can be, you know, just imagine that. Now, this man runs up to Moses and he says to him, are you Moses? He goes, yes. He goes, are you going to talk to God? He goes, yes. He goes, I need to ask you a favor. He goes, what's the favor? He goes, when you see God, just ask him, how can I get more wealthy? Because I've lost absolutely everything in my life. I want to have some like wealth so I can actually get it all back in my life. And Moses is like, all right, cool. Yeah, I'll go ask him. Again, I'm paraphrasing here because, you know, time. Yeah. As he goes up the mountain again, further up, he, he goes past a very big ranch on this ranch, the ranch owner sees Moses, writes out. First thing he says is, are you Moses? He goes, yes. He goes, are you thirsty? He goes, no. He goes, are you going to speak to God? He goes, yes. He goes, great. May I ask you a little bit of a favor? Kind of, uh, you can say no if you want. So Moses is like, yeah, you know, uh, you know, ask me a favor, whatever it is. He goes, could you ask God a quick question for me? Um, he's given me more wealth than I know what to do with. I have no idea what's up. I mean, I'm the first generation in my family that has this wealth. You can see I have this ranch. I give away like all my money. I give away most of my money every single year uh, to charities and poor people and help them out. But every single year, I come back with more money than I know what to do with. And I feel like I'm making other people upset. So could you ask him how to uh, slow down the wealth in my life? You know, my great health and everything else. How do, how do I slow all this down? And Moses goes, all right, yeah, that's fine. I'll ask him. Moses goes up, you know, speaks to God on the way back down. Rich man's, you know, the, the the ranch owner's waiting for him, rides out, goes, Moses, did you speak to God? He goes, yes. He goes, before we get any further, do you mind if we have a drink together because you must be parched. It's really hot. He goes, okay. And gives him a chalice. He's, gonna, he's about to give him a chalice of uh, water. And just before he gives it to him, um, as he's pouring it out, he asks Moses, I don't want to be rude, but did you speak to God about my dilemma? And Moses goes, yeah, I did. Um, in fact, God said... If you, want to if you want to lose everything you have right now, become completely ungrateful for what you have. At that moment, the man turned around and said, what, what are you on about? How do I become ungrateful for everything that's been given to me? I mean, you know, I have this great life. I've done all this stuff. You know, gratitude. Uh, I have absolutely immense gratitude for what was bestowed on me. At that moment, the parable says that, you know, the earth shook and the you know, child shattered into diamonds. Further down the line... Um, he, he Moses encounters the poor man, you know, completely homeless, down to a loincloth. And the poor man doesn't even ask how Moses is, just straight up comes out with, did you ask God about my question? If so, what was the answer? And Moses goes, okay, okay, here's the thing. God said if you want to get it all back, if you want to start being wealthy, 
happy, healthy, whatever it is. Start becoming grateful for everything you have at this exact moment, and it will compound and move forward. And the poor man got very angry. So angry, he started cussing out Moses. What do you mean? Why do I have to be grateful? I've got nothing to be grateful for. Everything's been taken away from me. At that moment, the wind blew and took the loincloth with it. And this man was left completely naked and destitute. Now, the moral of the story is that when you're grateful, no matter how rich or poor, wherever you are, you can be given more because you are grateful for what it is that you're grateful for, and that compounds. Whatever you're ungrateful for, that compounds too, and you start losing everything that you that should have that you once took for granted. So you can believe in a higher deity or a power if you want, but the moral of the story is the same. The more you're grateful for something, the more it'll grow. The more you're ungrateful, the quicker it runs away from you. Yep. Beautiful. And and there's no way that you could have known this, but uh, my first interview was with, uh, or our first interview was with a guy by the name of Nick Pereira, and he spoke about the power of gratitude as well. So you've tied into that very nicely, Adele. Wow, that's incredible. It's such yeah. a powerful thing. Uh, it's it's amazing and it's wonderful and I'm so glad that you chose to be with us today. I'm very glad to be here. Thank you. So, so for, for people who want to know more about you and get more information about you, what what's the best way for them to do that? The best way to do that is if you go to my site, adelamarcy.com uh, and go to the contact form. If there isn't one, go to the consultation form. Either one's fine, really, because they go both go to my personal email address. Um, mm-hmm. Send me a quick email. Let me know that you're, you know, emailing me, and you had it from uh, Nathan and uh, Amish. I mean, the thought. What's the podcast called? Thought. Thought hackers. The thought, thought hackers. hackers. Yep. If you just put in the subject line, the thought hackers. Uh, sent me and you know we'll we'll go ahead and um, we'll speak even more. I'm always open to helping people out and speaking to people. Um, just always there. So please let me know how I can be of service to you as well. Nice. Thank you, Adele. Mm. Really appreciate you being here. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate being here. You've been listening to the Thought Hackers. Make sure you subscribe and get each new episode emailed straight to you so you don't miss a show. And have a look at our resources page where you will find programs, audios and books that will create change in your thoughts.